Hello and welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast, episode 84. Today, I'm going to start off with a grammar point relating to relators. That's what we call prepositions or and I think that's a much better sort of way of uh, describing it because prepositions essentially show you how one word in a sentence relates to the other. And specifically today, we're going to talk about the eighth character from the Mandarin Blueprint method, Tong, which pretty much directly translates, for the most part, as from in English. And it can be pretty much used in in that exact way. So however from is used, that's how Tong is used. Um, so as usual, instead of going on and on about how it works in theory, let's have a look at the first example sentence straight away and you'll see what I mean. So take a look at this one. 有一只狗从门口走过来 So there's a dog or a dog 有一只狗从门口 So from the 门口, the, uh, the doorway 走过来 So walked over to the speaker, to me So a dog walked from the, uh, the doorway to me So in English we say walked from the doorway but in Chinese, you say from the doorway, walked to me. So, 从门口走过来. Okay, so pretty straightforward. That's how it works for the first one. Let's have a look at the second sentence. This one is from level 17 of the Mandarin Blueprint method. It's another one about a dog as well. 这只狗被我从桌子上打下来了 <laughs> Okay, so sorry about this one We do not condone any sort of violence to animals whatsoever uh, I feel like this one needs a little bit of an explanation um, This dog got knocked down <laughs> This dog got knocked down from the table by me Okay, so again um, We do not condone violence against animals This is just so the way the Mandarin Blueprint method works is we have a limited number of words because we want to get you reading Chinese sentences and understanding them as soon as possible. Which is, so we actually give you full comprehensible Chinese sentences with lots of context, so decent length Chinese sentences after you only learn approximately 60 characters and about 100 words or so, which is unprecedented, right? But in order to do that, we have to talk about the same nouns or we, we have to say things in a uh, certain way. It's always natural. It's always how Chinese people really speak. But all I can say is, you know, we have limited choice. So we have to you know, we have to be creative with how we use some of the words. So apologies if anyone was offended. I love dogs. I have two of them. Okay. Anyway, that's done. All right. So let's have a look at this sentence and the actual grammar about it. Um, so again, this dog, 这只狗,被我。Bei wo. Bei is uh, sort of the passive voice, so it's by me. So bei wo. So by me, shang from the table, da xia So knocked off or hit off. And the l, of course, at the end signifies that change. Okay, so that's what happened. The change happened. So this dog got knocked down from the table by me. So you can really see when you have these more longer, complex Chinese sentences, how the grammar, the position of the words essentially is rather different in Chinese, isn't it? So, 这只狗被我从桌子上打下来了。Awesome, awesome. So, from the table, 
uh, off the table. So this third sentence is, she took the phone out of her pocket. She took the phone out of her pocket. So when you say, you want to say to take something from somewhere or to do something to an object, you would use the word ba, ba, which sort of means to grab, to hold like that. So, 她把手机从口袋里拿出来. Yeah, so she took the phone from her pocket and took it out. So that's sort of how the Chinese uh, word structure would go. So have a look at that sentence one more time. 她把手机, she took the phone 从口袋里, from inside her pocket 拿出来, took it out. 拿出来, that's how you say to, to take something out. So all of these three sentences so far, they show that Tong uh, is relating an origin point to a destination. And all of these sentences so far are talking about um, space, you know, so from from this point in space to another point in space. Um, and this reminded me of a very sort of common cheng yu, which is a, a four-character idiom in Chinese. Cong tou dao wei. Cong tou dao wei which literally means from head to tail. So Dao is the destination. Yeah, I'm sure many of you, if you're learning Chinese, you would know what Dao means, right? So Cong Tou Dao Wei is the way you would describe, it can be used in many different ways. It can talk about uh, explaining something. There's Cong Tou Dao Wei de Jie Shi. So you can say explain from beginning to end, so in that re reference. Or you could say someone is covered in something uh, from head to foot, head to toe. That's how we would sort of translate it as well, Cong Tou Dao Wei. Um, so that's sort of another, uh, it's, it's a bit more of an abstract usage of the word Cong there. And it can also be used from between one time to another time. So you could say, uh, so from two o'clock in the afternoon to five o'clock in the afternoon. So there you go. Tong is the word from in English, essentially, and it can be used in pretty much the same way, except, of course, Chinese grammar, word structure, and all that is, is obviously very different when, you, when it comes to longer sentences. But if you keep looking at the example sentences on our course and uh, you keep having mass exposure input through reading and listening, you will click with this concept very quickly, okay? So uh, without further ado, let's move on. Okay, so jumping into the emails and uh, messages and of course comments that we've had on our course and various courses throughout the week, we're gonna start off with a message from uh, Gareth Edwards uh, from the community. And here he says, hi, I'm new here. Just wondering, as I bought a couple of hundred lessons with a tutor a long time ago, how best I can use them in conjunction with this course. Wow, that's a lot of lessons. Originally, she wanted to take me through her version of the HSK, which would have been a long and arduous process. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Um, do you have any recommendations on how I could have her teach me, seeing as I will be using the Mandarin Blueprint method for the basis of my learning. Would you suggest I use her just for her, just for conversational practice and how would I go about that? Uh, sorry, I'm reading very slowly at the moment. Um, I'll try and sort that out. Perhaps I could do an hour a day on topics I'm interested in. I appreciate your advice, thanks. 
That's a great start, mate. Yes, um, there's a few things I suggest, and that is definitely one of them, is just choose something you are passionate about. Um, so for example, uh, especially when you're paying good money, I mean, when you, when you have a free language exchange uh, partner, that can work out really well, as long as you don't mind spending a bit of effort maintaining the relationship and also putting up with a bit of give and take about what you can talk about uh, and when you get to speak Chinese and they get to speak English and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, when you're paying good money for lessons, it's the best situation in my opinion, if you have the money, of course, because you get to talk about what you want and, um, you know, if you, if you, end, you know, it's like, so for example, choose topics that you love talking about that maybe your friends or family are sick of talk, or like don't want to talk to you about anymore. Um, uh, you know, even if it's just like, I don't know, controversial politics or whatever it might be. Okay. Just use this opportunity to whatever you're interested in, um, any sort of hobby, any movie, um, anything like that, uh, something you watched or read or saw recently or some sort of news event or worldwide event that you want to talk about that people are sick of hearing about. Hmm. I wonder what that might be. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's one thing you could do. Um, another thing you could do if you're sort of doing it in conjunction with uh, the Mandarin blueprint method is you could choose just a bunch of words or example sentences, um, or you, could, you know, just words that you've just learned or just unlocked, and say you want to go through and start making, uh, you want your tutor to help you make example sentences and practice them and tell you maybe, um, uh, and you know, give you some ideas for, and you, uh, if you do that, that means that you can make uh, flashcards out of them. So whatever, whatever sentences you make together, maybe you could try and make some without, you know, uh, if you have a, like the rough idea about how to do it, how this word works, you could try and make your own sentences. If they're wrong, maybe uh, he or she, your teacher could correct you and tell you why they're wrong. And you can make flashcards out of these correct sentences. And But for me personally, I just like um, choosing something that I love and then just chatting about it and doing my best. And then the tutor is there to um, note down any common mistakes that you keep making without too many without interrupting your flow you know when maybe when the conversation dies down a bit you can uh, have a chat about where you can improve and then where you keep making mistakes maybe she can again make more example sentences for you so the wonderful thing about a native tutor and the thing that they can do that uh, non-native tutors like Phil or myself aren't so good at is tell you when things exactly are wrong and how to say them right because they have had just so many more thousands of hours of na native input and uh, speaking and writing practice and all that stuff they just have this highly tuned even if they're you know not very good teachers per se they always have this highly attuned sense of what is right and what is wrong and that's the thing that's the most valuable from a tutor now the thing that isn't so valuable from a tutor that Phil, Phil and myself do have is advice about actual language acquisition. So don't necessarily go to your tutor for advice on language learning, but do use them to um, create uh, example sentences that you can maybe make into flashcards uh, if you like, um, to tell you what where you're going wrong and to tell you how to go right in, in terms of how you're producing the language, okay? <clears throat> Oh, and if you can, also get them to recommend some cool content for you, like you know, native content at your level. Some teachers can do that really well, some teachers can't, but again, they have 
deeper, more attuned access to the Chinese internet and um, you know, Chinese media that, again, people like Phil or myself might not have, right? So um, that's another sort of advantage that they would have. Anyway, I hope that helps. Uh, and you know, you've got 200 hours, so pace yourself, start slow maybe, uh, maybe one or two hours a week um, and just see how it goes. And once you've found a flow, a style of language uh, class that you like, then you know go as go as heavy as you like you know um and you will see as long as you keep up with the mandarin blueprint method you keep up with reading and listening if you also throw in a bunch of hours of speaking practice which is essential for fluency you will just see lots of clicks you'll feel lots of clicks happening all the time and you'll see your level go up very quickly as long as you have the input so i always say uh, phil always, i think he, phil agrees as well like roughly like 80% input stuff going in and maybe 20% stuff going out uh, is a general uh, level to aim for, I think. But everyone's different. All right, so the next question here, or comment rather, is from uh, Peter Walsh, again in the community, the forum. It says, hi there, just to let you know, uh, you guys know that I'm having a great fun devising stories in my head. You've certainly brought me down <laughs> memory lane. Uh, what with all the wacky imagery I link with my past? I just joined last Sunday and I'm making solid progress, albeit spending too much time on making my own pictographs to reinforce acquisition. But that's the pedantic nature in me. Well done to you both on such a novel way of instruction. Sit it. Um, as the memories are personal and mixed with my imagination, I cannot but recall their meanings. Charlie Bucket floating on seven up bubbles, the interaction of the swan and the swallow giving Charlie air bubbles to get him out of their way. And he's done a wonderful... Um, He's, he's added an example of his image. It's hilarious and brilliant. So please check that out in the show notes. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, you don't need to do any of that, uh, Peter, but you're aware that you don't need to do it. It's just what you like to do. So as long as you enjoy doing it, if you don't mind, you know, slowing yourself down somewhat, you know, I've got no problem with that at all. Keep the images coming as well, if you don't mind. Um, Fantastic. So the next one here is from uh, John McCann by email. Uh, he says, your lessons are very entertaining and you have a flawless Beijing accent. I, I, certainly not flawless, but I really appreciate that. It would seem, yeah, it's not it's not 100%, I mean, but uh, I guess it's like 98%. <laughs> uh, you, are, you, are, you and Phil are both inspirational. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm so glad I cut loose of Rosetta Stone. Uh, but still may use it upon occasion. With lockdown and not being able to work, to keep anxiety at bay, I feel motivated after a few false starts to really nail Mandarin. Excellent. One of your best pieces of advice, avoid classes for the most part. A four-week, two-hour-per-week Mandarin course at China Institute is $400. The teachers are native speakers, but with so much online content... Unless I move to China and I have Chinese friends who now I can speak who now I can speak to in Mandarin, um, I speak French, Italian, studied Russian in high school, and have worked at Japan Society where they have excellent an excellent school. And with half our staff being Japanese, I picked up a lot fairly quickly. Also, we traveled to Tokyo, and those business meetings would begin at eight a.m. and conclude with dinner and then lots of drinking. They love their scotch. So I would be totally jet-lagged and hammered the next morning. But when Japanese starts, including 
Kanji, it makes studying Japanese and Mandarin together impossible, as I found out in London at SOAS. Not sure what that is, but I guess it's a school. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Um, also, I know, also know enough Latin to read, and one of the most... On the, one of the world's most difficult grammar languages, Koine, or Biblical Greek, every word has a declension or an exception to the rule. Oh my goodness. So, with Phil patiently guiding me through Anki, I spend about 45 minutes a day on pronunciation. You are wise to put that at the front of the course. Even the slightest slip in tone can change the meaning of a word. As an East Asian art historian by vocation, ooh, I think that learning to read will even take priority over speaking, as I am always reading art catalogues in Chinese. Yeah, you know, do what you enjoy. You know, use Chinese for how you want to, um, for what you want. You know, you don't have to do it for speaking. You don't have to be a master speaker or a master reader, whichever you fancy. Um, I found my father's old school books. He studied in uh, Tongzhou boarding school and his texts were in traditional characters and had the old Wade Giles transliteration thanks yes yeah, so John's father was born in Beijing which is very cool um, so thank you very much for that John really appreciate that mate um, I'm glad you're enjoying the course and it's helping you through the anxiety of um, of this nonsense that's happening right now so next we have uh, a lovely email from Al who uh, sent us just to randomly just sent us a really nice email with the subject line, a word of encouragement, which was just really nice. And I, I'm sure he won't mind us uh, sharing it with you. Um, he says, hey, guys, just a quick note to encourage you both in your MBM undertaking. Uh, as you that's Mandarin Blueprint Method, by the way, uh, as you may well imagine, my brain is swimming at present with almost constant cramming that I've been putting in with your course day after day, and happily so. But there is one thing in particular that you both do that sets you apart from the rest of the pack, so to speak. And that is, that thing is that in each and every lesson where you use a video to teach a point or model a word or sentence, you do it yourselves, rather than the great videos with Annie aside, um, <clears throat> have someone else to step in to model the examples for you. What hit a home run for me and instantly made me know that I had stumbled upon something real and not just another Chinese course was seeing and hearing Luke sitting on a bench and telling us about the MBM and doing it in Chinese. <laughs> I don't mind telling you, had that ad been only in English, I would not have listened more than a few seconds before moving on and forgetting I'd ever seen it. Well, I'm glad that worked. So, although I know that you both already know that you're very much on the right track, um, and it's evident in the confidence you both show, and rightly so, as you've earned the right to it, hands down. <laughs> um, a word of encouragement is sometimes in order. Now, already a month into this, you can consider me not just a satisfied customer, but something of a fan. And I don't easily ascribe that sort of celebrity status to my fellow beings, regardless of their societal status in the world of men. I respect you guys in large measure because I respect what you have accomplished. Um, which in my book is very much something worst, worthwhile. Um, side note, uh, for, the mo for the first month, I, I've mainly only been putting in two to four hours per day on average, starting late last week. I'm attempting to muster the discipline to do this full time. For me, that means a minimum of eight hours daily or 40 hours per week. I have to fit in other things that uh, in as well. So that means 12 hours 12-hour days when I can manage it. I'll be up at five in a few short hours to hit the virtual books again, starting with an hour and a half of 
Anki decks and moving on to the lessons as flashcard decks for anyone that doesn't know Anki. At times, I have to go get a breather because my head starts to choke on it. But when I consider how quickly I'm actually learning and comprehending the material, it's very much worth it. Several years ago, I worked at a Chinese-owned and operated gold mine for several months during this relatively short summer work season they have there. I went primarily for, primarily for the opportunity to practice speaking Chinese. The excavators I operated were usually equipped with a USB port, so I would plug in a key and listen and repeat uh, to the Pims of Mandarin lessons for maybe six to eight hours a day while I worked until I literally had to stop because my brain just would not absorb the lessons. Um, <laughs> it was a great, if incredibly boring experience for me. By the time I returned home later in the season, I was actually having very short, very basic conversations with the workers there, none of whom could speak any English. I got to say, I did the same thing. I mean, not for eight hours. I don't quite have uh, your fortitude there. I can't do that. But I did it for at least two hours a day, I would say. Let's listen to Pimsler, and I did that for about two months, I think. It was a month. I can't remember. It was, it was, it was, it was a lot. I did I listened to the entire Pimsler thing like one and a half times. And once is like 90 hours, I believe, in total. So I put in about 100 hours or so of that. And yes, within two months, I could go to China and I could have basic conversations. Um, and because, yeah, I drilled it so hard. It's basically rote learning, but in, it's, it's spaced as well. So it's kind of a mixture between rote learning and space repetition in a weird way. Um, but it worked. It works for some people, and there's a reason why PIMS are still around. You know, they, yes, it's boring, and a lot of people can't handle that, just rep repetition, repetition. But for those that can handle it, it works. You know, i, I got to say, at least for a short time. I mean, I forgot most of it after a year or two. Um, you know, most, yeah, almost all of it, actually. But um, for short term, if you want to go and you want to just improve your Chinese just briefly, yeah, PIMS are. And it's great with pronunciation because it's all very standard pronunciation. But that said, as good as Pimsleur is at what it does, I have to say that I, it cannot touch MBM. And I know that Luke can concur in that point. <laughs> Sadly, when my season working at the uh, Yukon ended, I stopped the Pimsleur lessons and never went past the early part of the, the third of five levels. But I got the impression from skipping ahead and listening to bits of the higher levels that my Mandarin would only have been very basic at best, yes. Had I followed through and completed the entire course? I get the sense with MBM that when I come out of the other end of the assembly line as a newly minted Chinese speaker, I will be in a very good position to be able to move on from that point towards achieving a high level of competency in Mandarin. I am ultimately shooting for HSK6, and my goal is to achieve that from my small town with the benefit of exposure to a local Chinese-speaking population. Yeah, and when you get to the HSK6, which if you do eight hours a day, will probably be in a year or so, um, or at least, you know, not to push it, you don't have to push yourself to do it in a year, but it's definitely possible with your speed and time investment. Um, you know, you'll get the HSK6 and you'll be like, okay, I want, now I want this. <laughs> you'll move straight on to the next level. Um, which will be, you know, what you decide, you know, like, I want to be able to read this book, I want to be able to have this conversation about this topic, you know, and you'll, you'll just keep adding on goals, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. Um, it's rather ironic that both of the gas stations here in town are Korean owned and operated as Korean, as a Korean second language for me speaker, I find myself wishing that the owners were Chinese. Cheers, boys, Al. Thanks very much, Al. That was an awesome email. Um, and it was a pleasure to read. And uh, it's, it's, 
yeah, it, we we get that. We you know, we've had that a couple of times. Like, oh, I'm sure you know. Like, no, 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 we don't. We, you know, we we um, we don't know until you tell us. And and I'm glad that it works so well for you. It's it's just great. Um, it's fantastic. That's all I can say, really. <laughs> I'm just so I'm not exactly got the best way with words, have I? But um, yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for that. Uh, keeps us going. Um, all right, next we've got uh, Neil. He's got a comment on make a movie for Jia, which means house in Chinese. He just says, one of my calligraphy teachers told me that in the old days, a pig would be kept in the house. Didn't want to get it stolen. And I'd heard something similar to this as well. If you look at the character Jia, it's, a, it's an ideograph, um, which uh, is, is like sort of an abstract pictograph, basically. Um, so pictograph meaning a picture of what it means, right? So home is an abstract concept and we have uh, a roof component at the top and then this other squiggly thing at the bottom, it means pig, um, which is very confusing for some people, of course. And I was told something similar, but I never, not in that particular way. Yes, like pigs would be kept inside the house to because they're, you know, they're a form of sustenance, right? So they were, they were very, obviously incredibly valuable at the time. Um, so they didn't want to get it stolen. That would make sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of these little nuggets of um, sort of Chinese history and culture woven into a lot of these characters. And this is another cool thing to discover. All right. So the next comment we've got is from Jacqueline on, on Tone Change Rules Part 2 for Bu. Let's have a look. She says, I have to say, this is for the pronunciation course, by the way. I have to say that I'm thoroughly enjoying this course, despite my fears. I actually find the pronunciation part pretty easy. I already speak three languages, English, French, and Seychelles Creole, and I find many of the pronunciations that would seem impossible for, to an Anglophone are very similar to French and my own native language. I've always wanted to visit China and immerse myself in its rich culture and beautiful people. Thank you. There are many offers for Chinese language classes out there. However, yours is the best I have found. Thank you very much, Jacqueline. And uh, yeah, and I always like this when I see people on the um, pronunciation mastery course who are really happy with it. It's like, this is a great course and it's great to see and they're finding results. And you haven't even scratched the surface of what you've got, like what else we've got waiting for you. Um, I'm not sure if you have the full course yet or if you just purchased the pronunciation mastery individually, but if you ever get around to the full course and you start learning how to read Chinese, uh, like Al, uh, it's, it's even more satisfying. Um, but yeah, pronunciation in, in Chinese is not that bad. It's, it's, if you know how to teach it, you know, and there's only seven major points, like uh, pronunciations that don't exist in English, but they're basically three different tongue positions, right? Um, and once you master those or start to, it's not that intimidating whatsoever. And also, you know, not a, I, I mean, I can't say because I'm a native English speaker, but I would certainly say that English, at least there's a lot more to English. There's a lot more subtle, different sounds in English than there are in Chinese. Next one here is from Rebecca McCarthy on uh, a stroke order um, video. Uh, we have little videos for all of the 12 different stroke order rules in Chinese just to help people write characters better. Um, and she says, hello, so I already have some experience with Mandarin and know, in inverted commas, a good amount of words and can use them in speaking. But 
The writing has been a huge struggle. This method is helping me immensely, and I, and I find I am learning to write them very quickly now. I would like to study the stroke order rules and was curious if you have already made an Anki deck for those. If not, I can make my own. Yours are just so nice with the characters and the, we have like little, little gifts um, showing the stroke order. I don't know how to do that on Anki. Haha, <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying um, the course. It's helping you out. Uh, as for stroke order rules, literally we just gave you the the step-by-step the -step sort of drawings of how to draw each one and you have a GIF in your uh, flashcards for every single character that you learn, front and back, right? So that's more than enough. I, you know, I didn't actually study any stroke order rules myself. I just copied how they were written and then naturally picked up the stroke order rules. And I don't think, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think how you create an Anki deck for that, but I guess, yeah, I guess you could, but I don't see it as necessary, Rebecca. I think that you can just um, keep reviewing those stroke order videos if you want, but I don't even think that's necessary. I just made that as an extra cool thing that people might want to see um, uh, just to show you how many rules there are. But a lot of the rules, some of them are like kind of not in, you know, so there are some characters which are like, they, they, they're very complicated and in terms of they, they don't really fit the rules. Some of the rules are kind of like, they fit the rules, but some of the rules are like I after E except after C, or I before E except after C, whatever. So it's like, oh, this should be this, but actually it's written like this because of this specific situation. It's best to just follow the stroke order uh, GIFs or the diagrams that we've given you and just follow them carefully and make sure you write it properly. And you'll naturally understand how to write characters going forward. Um, but yeah, we certainly don't plan on making an Anki deck for it, but you're free to do that. Uh, all right, nice. So the next one here is from Will Rayleigh on simple final U, uh, the sort of umlaut U in Chinese. Uh, introduction with U, fish, U. I'm struggling with the pronouncing this one, <laughs> uh, sad face. Could you maybe explain how my throat should be when saying this. Does it breathe out air in a specific way? No, it's not to do with the throat, right? So it's to do with two different things. This particular sound, make sure your tongue is behind your bottom teeth. Like that. Um, that one's actually something that, you know, um, that I didn't realize I was doing. I was saying the sound correctly, but I didn't realize actually that, yeah, that's that's one thing that people don't usually tell you. So you gotta keep the, the tongue behind the bottom teeth, just like in tzi right? So, so you'll notice that the corners of the mouth are sort of tight, like doing a little duck face like that, yeah? But not that tight, I'm just, I'm just showing you, right? So it's like slightly tight at the corners, and that's it. There's nothing going on with the throat. It's just that those two things to keep in mind. If you still can't do it, practice. You know, you just gotta keep practicing. It doesn't come naturally to everyone, every single sound, or there's always some, uh, some challenge that you're being given that, um, that you know, that's specifically down to you personally, and that's that's it, right? So, I just need to take, might just involve a little bit of extra work, either mentally or physically, but you'll get it, okay? All right, the next one we have is from Simon Meller. He says, Big ups to Phil for that incredibly mighty beard, <laughs> and that's it, all right? So, well done, Phil. Um, he's actually got rid of it now, but I'll, I'll let him know that you like it, maybe he'll bring it back. Um, next one from Bree Bro, 
make a movie for Zhao. He says, um, in this case, I can imagine the props. Uh, by the way, the props are um, the uh, components. They're the objects, mental objects that we suggest that you choose for representing the component parts of the characters in your mind, in your imagination, in order to learn them. And he says, in, in this case, I can imagine the props being um, Dan, uh, Dan and uh, Gwen, like the stick. How do we decide in this case which props fit the most? I feel like like the sun and the shu, the cross, are more or less the same difficulty, but that Gwen and jo, uh, Dan uh, are way different in terms of strokes. Is it related to the choice? Uh, choose whatever you like. As long as it works, you know, you're not just it, like that it, that it could physically work, like that could definitely work. No problem whatsoever. Um, you could you can definitely choose your own combination of props. And we've had actually very few examples of this, but there's been a couple of examples of people giving prop combinations that me and Phil actually look at and we're like, okay, this is actually better than our suggestion, right? But that's quite rare. But um, you can, there's very little about this entire method that is. 100% you have to do this um, very little right? a lot of it is down to your own personal choice and this is another this is an example of that so if you want to use a different prop combination Brie go ahead and do that that's fine uh, next one is from Alex Sumray on problem initials and um, he says thanks for the course so far uh, just to keep uh, me sane, are these tongue positions hopefully going to become second nature with practice? It feels pretty unnatural at the moment and hard to remember and nigh impossible for me when in the flow of a sentence. On top of getting the tones down at the same time, yes, it will become easier. Like What you're doing right now, if you've never practiced Chinese before, what you're doing is it's the equivalent of doing yoga for the first time. You know, You cannot go and do the perfect... I don't know any yoga uh, positions. I'm not a yoga person, but you know what I mean? You can't just go in there and do the splits or whatever they do, downward dog or whatever, straight away. You need to, you, your tongue is a muscle and your cheeks are muscles. And it's not just about uh, building muscle. It's about just getting used to the reflexes and stuff. When I started out, you know, I've got pretty close to native pronunciation. But when I started out, my individual sounds sounded great, but I could not stitch them together. And sometimes, you know what? I still can't if I'm in the wrong situation or I try and say something I haven't said in a while. My muscles are, or I haven't spoken, have done much speaking practice and I try and blah, blah, I just try and say a, a sentence at native speed and it messes up because my, my tongue's like, what, what's going on? Um, it's just muscles, right? And they take time to get used to it, but you will with practice. And that's why it's good to do the minimal pairs decks, um, shadowing, um, which you'll, if you don't know about, you'll find out about towards the end of the pronunciation course, shadowing, um, drilling, just stuff like that in your own time. If you just do that, it will become easier and easier and more and more second nature. All right, so that's it for all of the sort of general comments we've had this week. Let's move on to stuff related to the specifics of the course itself. So, um, uh, the movies. So this is the part that we all like, I like anyway, where we go through some of the example movie scenes that our clients, students, whatever we want to call you, um, have come up with this week and shared with the community on the forum uh, or uh, on the comments on, on to help other users out. And some of these are fantastic, as always. 
Um, all of them are fantastic, actually, but some of them are especially great. Um, so let's start off with Al. Al's given us a bunch, um, but I'll choose this one as the one to share with you this week. This one is for the character Pa, which means afraid or scared. Uh, and it's made up of heart on the left to, to signify that it's some sort of feeling or emotion and bai, which means white. Okay. He says, I came up with a couple of useful items for this one. Well, useful for me at least. First, the left prop, as soon as I looked at it, I saw a stick with two tears, a crying stick. So I Googled it, and after wading through dozens of pictures of crying stick men, I actually found a picture of a crying stick with tears from the eyes. In my imaginary world, crying sticks have the effect of making their bearer very susceptible to emotions. I love the idea of using Google or whatever image search to connect with concepts that you're like links that you're trying to make mnemonically or whatever visually in your mind um, it's always helped me out a bunch especially for learning words but it can also do help you with inspiration for learning characters too so the back of my a set my p actor paul hogan is going for a walk and just happens to be carrying a crying stick a tough guy like him ought to know better as he walks he begins to feel inexplicably afraid that's where the acting skills are going to come out. It's going to start acting scared. He spies an empty white paint can in the distance. The closer he gets to it, the more fear he feels until he is finally close enough to see inside the can, whereupon he discovers Pennywise the clown hiding and casting fear vibes in his direction. Yeah, and that's an example of, that's a really good scene, and it's an example of bringing in a an extra object or person or thing to represent the keyword more clearly to you, which is absolutely fine. Never bring in objects, we always say this, never bring in objects or people or things that are not directly related to the keyword or the props. Don't just bring stuff in for no reason, right? But it's fine to bring stuff in like this to sort of accentuate, exaggerate the meaning of the keyword here. Awesome. Um, Bell Hermawan, make a movie for Zor. Okay, so Zor. Uh, it means, if you look it up in the dictionary, I think, I think it would just mean yesterday or um, last, I believe. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. But it's, it's a very abstract character. It's, it's not used on its own, never used on its own, like, you know, chi or tian. But it's used with tian together, day, to mean zuo tian, yesterday, right? So, you know, it's an abstract concept. Let's see how Bell handles it. Zoolander is in the kitchen of my O house, about to cook breakfast, but there's a cartoon son singing the Beatles. Okay, here comes the son. Zoolander tells the son he hates this song, but the son keeps singing it anyway in a fit of rage. Zoolander suddenly wields a saw as a weapon and threatens to hurt the son. The cartoon son cowers and starts singing yesterday instead. Zoolander is appeased. Yeah, so uh, music is something I never went with, but that's that's because I don't I don't have any sense of music really. I'm not a very musical person, but music is a really good choice to help, especially with uh, these sorts of really abstract concepts like yesterday, right? So that's a great way of fixing that problem, and especially with the song so catchy, that's just going to be there in your mind. Um, yeah, I, I really like that idea. Uh, awesome. Well done, Bell. Um, so the next one here is Faraz for making movie for Ji. 
which means a uh, plan. Uh, plan makes me think of bank heist. Nice. Um, Marilyn Monroe rappels, uh, rappels, rappels, rappels from a, the ceiling of my bathroom. A security guard comes in, so she speaks on a microphone. Speak prop. That's the left left hand side prop to make him go investigate the speakers. She dives behind a crucifix just to avoid him from seeing her as he returns. That's really good. You could even have like the Mission Impossible music or something like that, something cheesy. Again, if you want to throw in a bit of music in the background to accentuate that idea, because plan's also pretty, pretty abstract, right? But you've, you've shown that visually very well, I think, already. Um, but there's always cool ways that you can spice up your scenes if you want, but I think that's more than enough what you've done there. Awesome, Faraz. Um, next one here is from Deborah Driscoll on Make a Movie for May, which means not or none or not there, you know, so it's a very abstract concept as well. So let's see how she handles it. My M actor is searching around the kitchen of my EI set, getting more and more angry to myself. I don't have my yo-yo. My life is not worth living without my yo-yo. She's like, and maybe she, again, she's, uh, he would be sh like patting his body and saying, where's my, where's my yo-yo? I like clearly showing through visuals that he doesn't have the thing that he wants. This would be so totally out of character for my ultra laid back friend, Mark. And it's memorably funny. That's great. Bringing in personal characteristics of your characters and actors and whoever into your scene, which is the whole benefit of choosing people personal to you that you know well or know of well. Suddenly out of the corner of his eye, he spots a caterpillar. I love she's put little emojis of all the things she's talking about, uh, which caterpillar represents D. The, um, well, you can just look at the show notes. You can see what I mean, what I mean by that. Um, playing with his yo-yo, <laughs> yo, he grabs a nearby horse pipe, hose pipe, sorry, horse pipe is not a thing. Uh, and squirts the caterpillar right across the room saying, now you know how it feels not to have my yo-yo. Now, of course, that makes no sense, but that's probably why it will work really, really well. So the whole theme uh, of May, that very abstract concept has been shown very well throughout the entire scene. Uh, and then uh, the actor is just taking out that frustration of not having it on the caterpillar. I love it. Yeah, really good. Um, and that will work. That will work really well. Um, next one is from Oliver Barrett. Barrett on Make a Movie for S, meaning for. He says, Sam, that'd be the S actor, is in the garden of my childhood home. When I walk out, I see he is admiring the grass is filled with four-leaf clovers. He bends down to pick one up when the rolling stone's mouth comes out of nowhere and gobbles Sam up. He eats most of him, but opens his mouth to talk when just the two legs are still in his mouth. In his mouth, those four leaf clovers are mine. Yeah, um, let's just have a look at that one again. He's so grass field for yeah, yeah. As long as that four leaf clover is clear and obvious, um, I don't even think you need the last bit there. I think, um, but I, I like that. You know, it's good to have like a final sort of climax to the scene. Um, to sort of accentuate, exaggerate, accentuate, I don't know if I can use that, I'm using that properly today, but like exaggerating um, the visual of what you're doing. And maybe you could even do a close-up on the four-leaf clover, because it's like this very special thing, maybe even slow motion grab for it. You get the idea. But that's great. Awesome. 
Um, I'm giving those tips not for you, Oliver. You've clearly got this down. I'm just giving that for people listening. Uh, fantastic. Well done. I really like that one. Uh, Mike Rochford, Rochford on Make a Movie for Do, um, which means poison. He says, Dumbo, D-U, as the D-U actor, is sprawled out on my childhood home kitchen floor. He's deathly ill because he's been poisoned. We've tried to make him as comfortable as possible with a hay bale bed and have even slipped in under him a picture of Mother Teresa praying for her divine intercession for his recovery. A hay bale bed. Uh, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Because you've got mother is the bottom uh, component. I got it. Nice one. Um, yeah, I really like that. And uh, poison is really easy to show, isn't it? Like clearly, like, visually. And you've done that from beginning to end. Um, and you got, I love that Mother Teresa like praying for him at the end. That's, uh, that works really well. Well done, Mike. Um, and uh, we've got an, a story here, a story scene. We've got a scene here from Eja. Uh, make a movie for now. Uh, to make a noise, and he said, "Be a now, be a now." Like, don't cause a fuss. Stop, stop being noisy and and having a tantrum or whatever. Um. Uh, she says, uh, "Actor is Neil Patrick Harris in the backyard of his a her AO set. The props are a large door, obviously for the door part, and in the middle we've got a top hat for the little top part." and a towel. All right, let's see what she does with these three objects. The stay at home order was issued three weeks ago. Okay, topical, love it. Uh, and Neil was feeling fidgety and restless. He had performance withdrawal syndrome and a sudden urge to break into song. He couldn't keep it in. So he put on a top hat and began to sing and dance to a medley of Broadway tunes around a giant door in the backyard of my AO set. The similarly restless neighbors started to feel annoyed from all the noise disturbance and they threw in all sorts of household items towards his direction. He finally threw in the towel after a dirty towel managed to land on his face. Love the puns, bringing the puns in, puns coming in hot. Well done, Eja. I really like that scene. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Tyson, I'll make a movie for Ting, which means please, or to invite someone. Um, he says, I made a movie which would combine some sort of different meanings of Ting, below in all caps. Uh, there was a request that Shu Qi actress give out surgical masks. Uh, which and that is the prop that he's chosen for Ting, the right side component, because that's the color of those surgical masks, which is very clever. Because of the pandemic, she chooses the third tone room of my ENG set to do this. Unfortunately, there's a mob of unruly, ungrateful people fighting for the masks. In frustration, she grabs a megaphone and scolds the crowd. At your request, I invited you here for mass, and it's my treat. <laughs> yeah, because Ting can also be to treat someone. Well, Ting Ni, I will treat you. But please, that's another uh, meaning of Ching, be civilized and at least say please. Yeah, I like that. So that's actually something I don't see very often, which is using all the multiple. Uh, using multiple meanings of a, of a character in one scene, which is a cool concept we could experiment with, because there's always that thing of, oh, how do we handle doyinzi? 
you know? Like, how do we handle Chinese characters that have several meanings and uh, different, maybe even different pronunciations too? Well, yeah, that's what Doyen's is, right? Um, and that's something we haven't really tackled because the, the whole purpose of this um, method is to master the like get the basic of the character down at least one uh, sort of foundational meaning and then you can build upon that through input but maybe we could experiment and build on this method a bit more and try and sort of kill two birds with one stone or three or four birds depending on how many meanings the character has and just go from there but that's just off the top of my head I don't know if we want to do anything with that but um we could, there's always room for like um, experimentation and thanks to you guys being so innovative and um, trying out different things. So do let, uh, we've sort of, you know, we're always developing the method and tweaking it. So, you know, if you if you think of a way that we could possibly do that, let me know. Um, send us an email or something or comment. You know, we're always reading the comments. So um, something that we could develop. All right, so the next comment here is from Al and it's very simple. I just wanted to include this one because um, it's another cool way of showing an abstract meaning. So this uh, D with a fifth tone, um, it's got a few different pronunciations, speaking of, um, it It's used at the end of a verb uh, to signify that it's happening, like the continuous tense. It's happening right now. So Jet Li is practicing his world-famous balancing a sheep on a giant eyeball while wearing a Viking hat. And I like that, the idea of balancing, maybe he's like showing stress and focus, like because he's in the middle of doing something right now. It's just a cool concept visually that will signify the J, which is a very tough, you know, relatively tough character to signify the meaning of, you know, that idea of oh, I'm doing something. Um, so someone's like focusing and, str and struggling to do something um, like such as doing, you know, balancing on a, a sheep on an eyeball, for example. Um, I just think that's a cool way of showing showing the idea. All right, so let's do one more make a movie uh, this week, and then we'll finish off. So Tristan Knotts make a movie for Bien, which means side. Um, he says Billie Eilish is on, is at the AN set, standing in the middle of the road. That's the road component out front she is wearing the ring of power which means you know this is the lee component um, she raises her hand and powerfully casts them downward and out to the side causing all the cars and everything in her path to be thrown to the side of the road clearing a path forward that's really cool and using a bit of cgi special effects um very nice i really like that one uh, very simple very straightforward but very powerful. So thank you very much, Tristan, and thank you everyone else for your comments uh, and suggestions this week. It's really helpful. Please keep them coming. As I always say, it's a pleasure to read. Um, thank you for the praise as well, for, for those, of, those of you that sent in um, uh, those really nice emails and messages. Always appreciated. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. So thank you very much for tuning in, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye.